If you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting Glass Tire. All of the money we raise, since we are a nonprofit, goes right back into our coverage of Texas's art and artists. Our coverage is supported thanks to readers and listeners like you. If you would like to contribute, you can do so at glasstire.com forward slash donate. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hello, and welcome to Art Dirt, the Glass Tire podcast where we talk about topical art topics. I'm William Sarada. I'm Jessica Fuentes. And today we are going to go over a trip that Jessica and I recently took to the Texas Panhandle to see art, to see the museums, the galleries, to meet the people working in the arts, and to just generally get acquainted with the region. So this discussion is going to take place in two parts. So, Jessica, you started the trip in Albany, traveling through Abilene, and then to Lubbock, which is where I met you, and we continued on and finished the trip, ending up in Wichita Falls. So, um, since this is going to be a two-part discussion, today I think we should just have a nice, friendly conversation about your experience on the first half of the trip. Um I know you saw a lot of museums and art centers. There are kind of a high number of museums in the Panhandle. It is a big region, and we did see a lot of cities. So it's not that surprising. But I think um, sometimes us, us city folk in Dallas or Houston might kind of forget that, like, just how much space affords art viewing. Um, and the Panhandle is definitely a distinctive region. I guess I want to start out by asking Jessica, um, the museum districts in DFW can be kind of tidy. You've got downtown in Dallas, and then the museum district in Fort Worth, three museums, big names, uh, huddled together. You can get to them pretty easily. How does that experience compare to what you saw Um, between Albany and Lubbock? Yeah, I definitely saw some similarities to that. Um, For example, in Lubbock, um, one of the the main art spaces there, uh, Luca. Luca has a big footprint. Um, It has amazing things happening in the space from from gallery space to performing art space. Um, And it also has an additional building kind of behind its already... uh, well-sized space um but right next to luca kind of surrounding luca is casp the charles adams studio project um, which also owns multiple buildings um and and has its own kind of massive footprint so together those two spaces form a, a small cultural district basically and and they even collaborate 
on a large program that happens once a month called First Fridays, where they see thousands of people come out and they shut down the streets, um, the surrounding streets, so that people can can walk around freely through the space. And there's music and art and food and sounds like a great time. This is something that people emphasized pretty much at every level of um, arts work, arts administration. Uh, so I'm saying like front of house people, artists themselves, curators, everyone kind of said that we got to go to First Friday. Um, and we didn't travel on the first weekend of the month. So we're going to go back and check that out. I think that's interesting to point out. It's such a no brainer for a community or an area or a region to have like a centrally focused walkable event that's scheduled regularly. The Blue Star Arts Complex in San Antonio also does this. And then they have um, a second weekend event at a different location, the Dock Space Annex, also in San Antonio. And I mean, it sounds like a no-brainer, but in DFW, I feel like we don't quite have that. Um, and it's it was interesting to hear people kind of rhapsodize about how everything goes down on the first weekend of the month and you got to go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Um, throughout the panhandle, everyone kind of spoke about first Fridays happening in Lubbock and how it was a major draw. I do think that in Dallas, um, you know, the Dallas museum of art has historically done late nights on the third Friday of the month. And some of those turn into block parties where the Nasher also joins in, um, and the crow collection in the past. And in Fort Worth, we have two gallery nights, one in the fall and one in the spring, where all the galleries are open um, at the same times. And, and while, while that's not all geographically centered, um, it does kind of get people, arts people, all out on the same evening, hopping around to a bunch of different places. Um, and, and another thing to mention is in Abilene, um, I did make it out to their event, which is Second Thursdays. Um, this event takes place at the Center for Contemporary Arts in Abilene, which is right down the street from the Grace Museum. Um, and while when I was there, it was all held inside uh, the center, typically it's an event that kind of sprawls down the street with booths of uh, artisans, crafters, creatives um, who are making and selling items. And, and it seems like a big creative community gathering. As I mentioned, typically it would happen kind of all throughout the street, but on the day that I was there, it actually rained, which was a surprise in this triple-digit Texas heat. Um, but so because of the rain, they moved everything inside. So it was a little bit of a different experience um, for me, but I would be excited to go back and see it again. I actually recently saw um, like an Instagram reel or, or a story or a live video from the Contemporary Arts Center Abilene where they were just sending out a PSA that like people think that they stop doing outdoor events in July, August. Um, and they said, no, we, we still do them. Uh, they, so this is your, this is your notice. We're still doing it. I think they were just saying they might bring it inside, um, for the heat, for the rain, whatever, whatever the case may be. So in this first part of the trip between Albany, Abilene and Lubbock, it sounds like there's coordinated events where all the different players, all the different venues and institutions kind of pick a place and time to meet 
and that can be nice in these small towns. Um, everyone's kind of like familiar with each other and these in-person events just kind of like create another opportunity for that. So given that between these areas, Lubbock will come up time and time again, given that it's kind of like the metro area for the region. Um, and it seems to have the most venues and active participants. Also, I would argue that like it may have the most alternative spaces or spaces that are kind of like satellite, uh, individually run outside of the institutional centers. Does that make sense, Jessica? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and maybe it's because Lubbock um, is a bit larger uh, that it also, outside of this kind of um, informal cultural district, also has these other spaces that are popping up to serve different audiences and different communities. One of these is the East Lubbock Art House, which was established in 2020 by Danielle East. This is a great space um, that is outside of that type of central uh, cultural district space and very pointedly located in the historically black neighborhood in Lubbock. Like in many cities, the way that freeways were built in the past uh, served to segregate certain neighborhoods. Um, And East Lubbock is just such a neighborhood that, that really is kind of segregated from the larger part of the city um, by a large freeway that cuts it off. Um, and it is the historically black neighborhood. So it's it the neighborhood itself is further out um, and already a little bit separated from the center of the city where some of these large and great events um, are happening. And so... I think that Danielle saw this need um, in this neighborhood to have a space that was more easily accessible. And Danielle is a former CASP resident artist. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. She was a resident artist at CASP. I think that her time there really kind of opened her eyes to the resources that are available um, and the kinds of opportunities that are available through programs or through organizations like CASP and LUCA, and really sparked in her the desire to bring some of those ideas, resources, and ways of working back to the East Lubbock neighborhood. There seemed to me to be kind of like a palpable excitement regarding what Lubbock has relative to the rest of the region in terms of resources, infrastructure, even opportunities per se. And I guess I'm wondering, um, Jessica, were there any like resources or facilities that stood out to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Luca was amazing again in the sense that it had both um, these great exhibition spaces and also surprisingly a, a fantastic performing arts space when you when I came into Luca from the outside I didn't imagine that there would be a theater and a stage and all of these things inside of this building um, so that was exciting to kind of see that and then as as we went further through the facility um, and out through the back, there's also a fantastic clay studio with several different types of furnaces. Um, 
that allow the community uh, who is who's taking courses there, who are uh, members there to, to really experiment and utilize different ways of making with ceramics. Um, so that was pretty amazing. And then beyond that, Luca also has an event space um, behind their building, which is used for um, lots of different purposes, both for like a venue um, and for, for dance classes and practices and things like that. I think they even mentioned that they had recently hosted the alternative prom for their local high school in that venue and how exciting it was for them to be able to be that space for LGBTQ students who were looking for a similar experience to a traditional high school prom, but also in a place that was comforting and inviting. CASP, which is also in the same area as Luca, um, also has several facilities, including a metalsmith shop um, where their residents can um, can learn and and create in that area. I believe they also have a woodworking shop, um, and just the facilities for the residents at CASP really kind of blew my mind. I didn't know what to expect. I'd never been to see the space before, um, but that they have these five studios side by side that are live workspaces. It includes, you know, a a small space to live, a small studio space, and also um, a a type of gallery space, um, all kind of combined in one. Um, And there's five of these residencies. Um, So lots of fantastic facilities. And that residency program, all of that is, you know, a total like boon to the creative environment of Lubbock. But yes, I would agree that the CASP facilities are a pretty big deal in a state that should have way more artist residencies than it does. Part of this conversation is to bring some light and visibility to the creative arts in the Panhandle area because there is a lot and it is, you know, more sparsely populated than like other parts of the state. But as always, Texas is huge. So that's you kind of take that with a grain of salt when you think about it. Um, and I just think it's one of the interesting out, like aspects to the arts in Texas, which is that it's never as simple as like all of the best museums are in Dallas and all of the best, uh, you know, nonprofits are in Houston. There's always, always some standout that you're like, oh, wow, that's in that's in Lubbock. I didn't know that. Um, and it's important because you got to go see it. You got to go check this stuff out. Yeah, even um, in Abilene at the Center for Contemporary Arts, I was really excited to see not only their exhibition space, which had an upstairs and downstairs, but also the studio spaces that they had available for their members upstairs. Um, It just reminded me a lot of my time as a member of 500X, and and I really wished how much I wished at that time that we had studio spaces uh, where those apartments were. And so I thought, you know, even again, for a smaller town, um, for Abilene to have that type of resource to support their local artists is, is really amazing. That's such a good point. I remember walking into 500X the first couple times and maybe not understanding that um, their former building on Exposition Street in Expo Park, which is close to downtown in Deep Ellum, it's a residential apartment building, uh, but it's not it's not an artist residency. You know, it's the interior space was leased 
to artists to show. Um, but you have to cut the exhibitions off at 10 p.m. because people lived there. Um, and they weren't, you know, they weren't all artists. They were just residents in Expo Park. So, yeah, that is great that Abilene has that resource. So given that there are plenty of venues in this area, um, there's also plenty of permanent collections and collections to access. Um, and given that you had visited the Grace and the Old Jail Art Center, I was wondering if you had any comparative thoughts about those institutions and the sort of collections that they have. Yeah, well, the Old Jail Art Center is, of course, much smaller than the Grace Museum, but I enjoyed seeing their permanent collection, um, both their American and European works, um, which they they had a permanent collection show on view in one of their gallery spaces. Um, But also I was kind of surprised to see their holdings in ancient Asian works as well. Um, When I, in my mind, had thought about going to the old jail arts center, I have always thought of it as associated with contemporary artists, emerging artists, um, thinking about the kinds of shows that I see being presented there, but I hadn't really thought about what their permanent collection might look like. So that was a little surprising and intriguing for me. Um, And then the Grace Museum, which is a bit larger, I had a great tour with the chief curator, Judy Tedford Deaton. And in the tour, she spoke a lot about um, the richness of their collection and how much fun it's been for her to really kind of investigate the collection and pull out works that haven't been shown before um, and show them kind of in a new light. For example, right now, some of the pieces that are up in a permanent collection show are six prints by Ed Ruscher, um, and they're works that I had never seen before or heard of, but they're these beautiful text prints um, where the artist uses materials like ketchup and mustard and toothpaste um, to print. And so some of the prints, because the the materials used to print them were not archival, some of the prints are are fading or faded, um, and and some of them are, are still pretty vibrant. Um, but it was interesting to kind of see those displayed on the wall and to hear a little bit more about them and to think about, again, this this gem, the Grace Museum in Abilene, um, having this collection that I maybe wouldn't have thought about associated with them. We got to see several art museum vaults on this trip, um, and that's just such a fun experience. I feel like at some of these museums, not all of which are like, necessarily I would categorize as small um, or even modest necessarily. Some of the institutions we visited are, you know, pretty big. They've got good floor space, several galleries. Um, It was really nice to talk to the curatorial staff at these museums and hear the stories, the narratives, the curatorial programming that they were mulling over in their collections to present to the public, to connect uh, what is significant about this place to fine art. Um, And I agree, Jessica, about Old Jail Art Center. Uh, For as long as I can remember, I've always thought of them as kind of like 
the Halcyon Gallery showing three exhibitions by living regional artists, you know, every season. I guess I just want to re-emphasize the kind of like surprising variety of what you can find and what you can access in the panhandle. Um, The number of like alternative spaces, uh, primarily in Lubbock, but there are other ones outside of the Lubbock metro area as well. Um, Jessica, I know that you saw co-opt research and projects, which is another um, kind of just standalone project space. Is that right? Yeah. Um, it's a it's a really intriguing space that is headed up by several artists, musicians, local professors, educators um, who are are putting on exhibitions fairly regularly um, and typically their exhibitions are very experience based you can go and you can you can see what's on view um but i think that what they're doing there really shines as part of a as part of a performance they'll often have musicians come out and do live performances as part of their exhibition openings um they tend to be interested in showing digital artists and um and artists who are creating interactive installations. It's a small space, but I'd, I'm really excited to come back maybe on a first Friday to see Lubbock in general and then to see that space um, activated. And with that, we are going to wrap up this first discussion on the road trip that Jessica and I took across the Texas Panhandle earlier this month. Um, we'll be back in two weeks with a part two to follow up on where the road trip ended. Um, If you're interested in taking your own road trip, you're more than welcome to look at our statewide art events calendar and pick out some shows that you might take a drive to um, in the panhandle, hot off the heels of our discussion of everything there is to see in the region. And until then, uh, go see some art. Go see some art. This podcast was recorded by Glass Tire and edited by William Saradet. Copyright Glass Tire 2022.